Hi friends, this is Jonathan Frizz, founder of 10 Days. Earlier this year, I did a series of interviews with my good friend, Greg Healy, attempting to do an in-depth telling of the 10 Days story. 10 Days is a movement that began in 2004. Since then, God has enabled it to expand into a global prayer and unity movement. Trust me, it's taken a lot longer than I initially thought, but after 17 years, it's incredible to see the original vision unfolding before our eyes. Over the years, I've cast vision for 10 days hundreds of times, probably thousands. I've become adept in sharing about 10 days in 30 seconds, five minutes, or 30 minutes, however long they're willing to give me. If it's a really, really good day, I might get an hour to share, which means I can usually get into some pretty cool testimonies. It's been on my heart for some time to do a longer, more leisurely telling where we could really dive deep into the history, the God encounters, the miracles, the mistakes, and the mysteries of this incredible journey. This is the prophetic history of the movement, how we've grown from small beginnings to where we are today. It's also a personal history, a history of faith, fear, tragedy, disappointment, love, and learning how to follow Jesus. In my case, that's often meant learning the hard way. I think this will be an encouragement and an inspiration to you both because of the amazing things that have happened and continue to happen, but also because of the failures and mistakes we've faced along the journey. Hopefully you can avoid some of these pitfalls or else when you encounter whatever you need to encounter and go through what you need to go through, you'll at least know a few things not to do. Following Jesus is the most beautiful thing I can even imagine, but it's also the most painful and it costs us everything. However, at the end of the day, what else are we going to do with our short lives? Why not decide to give everything to the only one found worthy in heaven and on earth, the one who gave everything to make us his own? I hope you enjoy this series. And remember, please subscribe to our podcast as well. These are podcast exclusives, and we hope that you will be encouraged and enjoy them. God bless. Hey, welcome back. We're doing the 10 Days Origin Stories with Jonathan Frizz, founder of 10 Days of Prayer. And we are talking about 2006, Jonathan. This is after the year of the burnout, the craziness, trying to do the vision um, out of a lot of your own strength that nearly killed you. But 2006 was a different year. So take us back then in the spring. I guess you were in the North Shore of Massachusetts. Yeah, we'd moved to Massachusetts, and I think I shared in the last session, we'd just done a, a very simple 10 days at my local church in Massachusetts. It was called Hope Community Church, and so there was a Sunday school class, and, and part of the class was doing a small 10 days together, and um, as I mentioned, some amazing things happened. My wife was healed of strep throat on our wedding anniversary, which was pretty cool. Um, supernaturally, she used to get it all the time. She's never had it since. Um, so that was just an amazing wow. gift from the Lord. It was a real instantaneous healing. Um, and, um, where, you know, she couldn't talk, she couldn't swallow. And then she came out, she was talking to me normally. I'm like, what happened? And, um, so that was amazing. And we just saw people positively impacted. So, while the scope was much smaller, it was great to actually experience something positive um, doing a 10 days of prayer. 
in our second attempt to do it with a group. You wanted to try something other than the fellowship of his sufferings for one year. (laughs) You know, the fellowship of his sufferings is an honor for sure, but um, it was, it was just awesome to experience something that, that actually worked pretty well. So, so how did it work in the um, local church there? Was, was, you know, was that, this a one church? Was this a one church type of um, gathering? Like, what kind of model was it in a ten days gathering? Was it one church gathering together? Was it several? How did it work? Yeah, it really wasn't even the whole church. It was really like a Sunday school class. So this was a true small group, ten days. Um, and gotcha. so I had been doing some teaching on prayer and, um, you know, so it was a Sunday school class on prayer, learning how to pray, trying these different forms of prayer. And then our kind of our culminating event was doing 10 days of prayer together. And we just met to, you know, we had, uh, we invited people to pray during that time on their own, of course, but we had a daily prayer meeting, usually like two hours a day that people were invited to come to. And, um, that was it. It was, it was pretty simple. Um, I think at a level that pretty much anyone could organize. And that's what we had felt led to do was just stop, you know, not to try to get the whole world, but could we just do something very small and simple? Yeah. Right. And so that was a sweet time and it went well and Cassie got healed. Um, so that's great. So that was the spring. Um, Pentecost 10 days leading up to what then happened into the summer. You're a seminarian at this point. Yes. Yeah. So I was in seminary at the time. And uh, so some cool things happened that summer that would kind of launch us into things in the fall. So um, first thing of note that summer is I was invited to go to a gathering at Yale with uh, now both of our friend uh, Dave Warren. Um, yeah, it was kind of a gathering on campus revival and awakening. It was about history. And, um, there were a couple speakers there that were pretty impactful to me. Um, one of them was George Otis Jr. And George Otis, uh, shared with us about some of these incredible testimonies of transformation that were happening in places like Fiji. Um, probably the, <laughs> and, and it was cool to it tied into 10 days. He would talk about how, um, you know, these, um, villages would essentially shut down for a period of time in order to seek God together. And then God would respond in miraculous ways. And, uh, he, he said that worldwide we were seeing the book of acts plus happening. One testimony in particular, he shared from Fiji was a healing the land testimony. And it was in a place where um, literally the coral reef that nourished the village had died. And um, through just a supernatural invasion of God's presence, uh, through a fireball actually that came and dropped into the water that people throughout the village saw. So pretty out there story, right? That the coral reef actually came back to life. It wasn't a meteor. It was supernatural thing or it was supernatural. Yeah. It must've been like something like the presence of God, the pillar of fire, um, you know, that was with the Israelites, but it was a supernatural thing. It came, it burned over the reef area 
And then afterwards, the reef was alive again, and there were fish again, to the point that the people could just walk in and just scoop them out with buckets. So it had been completely dead, no fish, no reef, the reef dead, and it came back to life through this incredible uh, story. So, you know, that really got my attention. Um, I was already interested in those kind of transformation stories, but that was, I would say, kind of another level of what I had heard before. Right. And was that on one of the transformation videos? He made a series of videos about these phenomenon breakouts all over the world. He he did. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that particular story um, ever made it in, but um, he had just returned from Fiji. Uh, He was actually, you know, kind of visibly pretty tired. He had just got off the plane. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a little jet so, lagged. So his, um, his story of Fiji excited you and kind of re-energized you? Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely, inter- I, I was just starting to see the connection with what God had downloaded to me about 10 days, how it fit into these other stories of how God was moving around the globe um, through these consecrated seasons of seeking God and then how God would respond. So I was just seeing and confirming the potential of what 10 days could be. Um, the other thing that happened significantly, I mean, there were a lot of things, but one other thing um, that ties into this story was Lou Engel came and shared. And, um, you know, he just invited, he, he shared a testimony of doing a 40 day water fast and invited us Basically, through that testimony, I just felt called into a season of water fasting for 40 days. And um, so it sparked something in me. I'm sure I'm one of uh, tens of thousands of people who Lou has <laughs> inspired to go on a fast at some point. Um, sure. But but it led me into, um, yeah, what would kind of um, be a significant moment in the journey of, of doing a fast. So... I wanted to do a water fast and um, Cassie was like, no way, buddy. <laughs> Cause we, you know, at the time we had a um, very young baby and she was just thinking like, this guy's going to be a wreck. And so we kind of compromised on me doing a liquid fast, a juice fast. Um, and I was in seminary at the time I was working in a restaurant um, and we had a, you know, a one-year-old. So I think that was probably, or less than one year old, I should say. So I think that was probably good advice. And so that fall, um, I entered into this 40-day juice fast um, and just seeking God, like, what's next, Lord? What do you have uh, while this was going on? Um, yeah, I was also teaching another class on prayer at our um, church. And the idea was that this 40 days was part of, so the last 10 days of the 40, 40 days was the, was the days of awe. And that, that would um, actually be something that we do together um, within this small group. So um, yeah, that, that was the plan. Um, after about five days of this juice fast, I was feeling super discouraged. And uh, I was like, Lord, I just need other people to be doing this with me. And, um, you know, a day or two later, I got an email from a friend. He said, hey, check this out. And there was this group in Boston, um, J-Hop Boston. And it turns out they had called for a 40-day fast 
exactly on the same days that I was doing this 40 day fast. So it was pretty cool. Just like God sent confirmation, God sent help. Um, and, um, yeah, as, as the 40 day fast went on, it was, you know, it was very difficult, but kind of made it through. Um, there were a couple of significant encounters that I think that I had with the Lord that are worth mentioning. Um, the first one, uh, just, I was up praying and I heard the Lord say to call 120 people to pray for 10 days leading up to Pentecost. Um, so this, you know, I'd already had these previous experiences related to the 10 days. Um, this was a unique call. Um, I didn't know at the time, is this for this year? Is this for the future? But it was like a very specific assignment. And then he showed me these four rooms. It was for Pentecost. Yeah, it was for the spring, right? Not, not, uh, not for the fall. And it was the number 120. So, and then after that, I saw these four rooms, um, four rooms of prayer. Uh, One was named worship. One was named intercession. One was named scripture and one was named silence. And I saw like, kind of like this beehive of activity, people going in and out of all these different rooms of prayer. Um, And so uh, that happened during this 40 day fast that would lead into um, what we'd experience the next spring. Um, And the other thing that happened was I had a significant um, deliverance or from the Lord. Uh, It was related to uh, just an issue of pride in my life. I had always kind of struggled with pride and arrogance, I would say, and uh, maybe almost like a besetting sin. I, <laughs> I was afraid of myself because I knew I was proud. I thought I was better than other people. And, um, you know, was kind of had some intellectual pride. Um, and, I was going to um, say you still do, but I guess repentance is seasonal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure I still do. I'm sure I've got more. You're actually I'm one sure of the humble to get guys. delivered of. So why? <laughs> so what? You 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 were struggling with pride and arrogance, and you knew it. So like, how did it make you feel? Um, well, it just made me not trust myself because I knew this wasn't pleasing to God. Um, it's like I couldn't turn it off. Um, and so, how I think the Lord really met me in that is through a vision, and. Um, I had a vision, it was, you know, in my mind, um, is, is during the 40 day fast, I had a vision of Jesus and Jesus was walking with like his, his closest companions, like his inner circle. And I was not a part of that group. And, um, you know, in the natural, normally I was just thinking, and in the vision, I was thinking, wow, normally I would feel jealous. I'd feel jealousy of these guys because they're closer to Jesus than me but I felt no jealousy and I was doing kind of a very humble job. I was working on an apple tree and that's what I was, I was like uh, picking fruit and I experienced no jealousy. I was just like, wow, this is amazing. It was just like this really clean feeling of being okay with him, having other best friends. And then as soon as I had that realization, I looked to my left and there was Jesus picking the apples from the tree with me. He was actually right there with me too. Um, which was kind of just amazing, beautiful encounter. And then the vision went on. And uh, in this part of the vision, Jesus was also with his inner circle, his best friends. They were having dinner 
and I had the honor of being able to serve and wait wait on them as a waiter. Um, and I just remember in the in that experience, you know, not experiencing jealousy of wanting to be like oh seated at the table, but rather just sensing this wow, what an honor to serve um, at the Lord's table um, and be able to wait on Him and His closest friends. Um, so that experience, I think. I don't know, something it trans, uh, transacted in my heart where um, this kind of desire to be preeminent, this desire to be the best in a fleshly way kind of was, was let's just say, significantly dealt with by the Lord. Um, so, yeah, those were two significant encounters that happened during this season of fasting in 2006. Yeah, and so it's interesting because the vision you received was almost about envy and jealousy to reveal your heart about pride, which is kind of interesting. Um, they're all related, I think, of course. So that's pretty cool. Um, so this yeah, 120, I think I, I think I wanted to be preeminent, you know? Right. So the 120, that vision was maybe for, you thought it was for Pentecost, but you didn't know what year. 2000 no it was yeah it was definitely for pentecost um i didn't know what year you know i was like is this for now and and honestly um i was afraid to launch out into something because i because <laughs> um, you, you know i was kind of hoping yeah yeah i was kind of hoping it wasn't an immediate thing but i wanted to be obedient so i went to um Jeff Marks, who was uh, just mentoring me in prayer at that time. Jeff is a real father for the New England prayer movement. And I just ran this idea by Jeff. I said, Jeff, what do you think? And um, he, he just really had an encounter with the Holy Spirit as we were talking. He's like, yeah, we need to do this. This is He, he just really affirmed, hey, let's do this this year. And then um, also I went to my aunt, uh, who's a pastor and had, had kind of been my personal pastor um, she lives in the Midwest and I just approached her and said, Aunt Martha, what do you think about this? And she said, Jonathan, do it. It's for this year. And so with that, with kind of two trusted mentors affirming spiritually, this is the time um, I just decided to launch out and do invite 120 people to pray for 10 entire days together um, leading up to Pentecost. So that was the plan. Uh, had no idea how it was going to work. <laughs> Didn't know very many people in New England. Um, as I mentioned, we had been doing 10 days in kind of like a small group setting. And, um, you know, seeing God move uh, significantly. The fall 10 days that year in 2006 was excellent. Um, everyone had a testimony. I think there were seven people who did it. Seven. Like, so it wasn't a huge gathering. Um, but we saw God move. I had these testimonies I just shared. Um, and we, and then it, it gave vision for this 120 people to gather in, in 2007, which, which the Holy Spirit seemed to be affirming. Um, so this is actually Greg, and I know this is a part of our history, how I got involved in the New England Alliance. So the New England Alliance was forming right around this time. And Jeff invited me to one of the first New England Alliance meetings um, where I was able to meet folks that we both know, like Roberto Miranda, Dick Kiernan, Wonderful. David Rosen, um, you know, many people who, who uh, Mumdu Riyadh, people that are just dear friends and brothers that we've worked with for years. Um, and so 
at that gathering, I began to see how this vision that was God that had given Boston, me would fit. By the way? Where was that gathering? It was in New Hampshire. Yeah, it was in Nashua. Oh. We were we were at Paul Burby's church, and um, so I started to get involved with this regional network, uh, the New England Alliance, which was just forming. They were um, planning a regional Global Day of Prayer event on Pentecost Sunday. Um, you know, inviting the whole region together. And so my 10 days thing just kind of slid into a supportive role uh, for this larger effort, which was super cool because having the vision, I was just like, okay, I don't know, have any idea how this is going to happen. Um, so it was amazing to align with people that were already working towards something similarly um, and just getting thrown in with um, people like at the time, George Small, who had this network of radio stations all over uh, the Northeast and Al and Diane Scheimer, uh, Madeline Prendergast um, and uh, different folks we were working together on this. It was exciting. Um, and so I was encouraged by that, but we had no location. Um, <laughs> I still didn't know, know very many people in New England and, um, you know, just weren't sure where we were going to do it. So um, yeah, that, that was kind of where things were at. It was still this incredible leap of faith. I still had a job I was working. I was still in seminary, still had babies. So it was just like this thing happening on the side um, that was um, extremely time consuming in a way and exciting, but also, um, you know, how is this, how is this ever going to happen? So the early days of New England Alliance, they already had a plan for Pentecost to come together in united prayer. So the 10 days idea kind of connected with that and they became like your 120. Is that how this went? Yeah. So no, um, that just became kind of like a relational connection point and a organizational connection point. Um, so it kind of allowed me to connect to something bigger and something regional. Um, yeah. But how the 120 came together, let me tell that story. Um, it's pretty cool. So the first part of it is just the location. Um, we didn't know where we were going to have this gathering. And, um, so, uh, one of the guys I was working with, um, let me just tell a story from a different perspective. So, um, there was a man who lived in Western Massachusetts named David McCain and David, um, uh, is a good friend of mine now, never met him before longtime pastor. He's really like a revival historian and a prayer guy. And uh, David, Western Massachusetts is a place of a lot of revival history. The First Great Awakening started in Northampton, different missions movements had started there. And so David got a, um, a, a newspaper one morning, and it said that there was going to be a 10-day event based on American Idol um, the, the TV show at this campus in Western Massachusetts, um, where DL Moody, um, the great evangelist had started this campus is called Northfield. And, um, he's actually buried there. And, the these, these American idol gatherings were going to happen right next to DL Moody's grave. And so David was, uh, really bothered by this. Um, <laughs> he said, Moody would be rolling in his grave. 
Um, and then, you know, he just prayed this prayer, kind of one of those just throw it out there prayer. He said, God, I wish you would do your own 10 day thing at Northfield. Yeah. So he prays that prayer. Little did he know that they later. were already doing that in D.L. Moody's day as well. <laughs> oh. We'll get into that later. But that's kind of cool. Right, right, right. Right. He was praying what they had already done without knowing it and without yeah, knowing you. Yeah, David didn't have any idea, um, but God knew. And 30 minutes later, he gets a call from a mutual friend suggesting, hey, would you be, because I was just trying to get someone to get go in with me. Like we had people on the Global Day of Prayer. No one wanted to partner with me on 10 days of prayer because it was just too much. It was just too much of a commitment. So my prayer had been like, God, just give me one person that'll run with me. And um, anyway, so this person calls David, Hey, there's this crazy guy in, in, uh, near Boston. He wants to do 10 days of prayer leading up to Pentecost. Would you consider working with him? And David was like, not only am I going to do this, I know where we're going to have this gathering. Um, so, um, I got a message. <laughs> I, I got a message and, and, um, I was interestingly enough, I was working on a paper at the time on revival history in Western Massachusetts. So it was actually on that region. And I get this voicemail. It's all about Western Massachusetts. And I'm like, oh, this is so interesting. You got to meet this guy, David. Um, you know, he lives out like by Northampton and, um, you know, land of Jonathan Edwards. I'm like, I'm writing about Jonathan Edwards. And then he's talking about Moody. And I'm confused because I didn't know any of the history about Moody. I, and um, I want to say, David and I talked and it was, he told me this crazy story of what had happened. I was like, wow, this is the Lord. And we're going to host this 10 day gathering at Northfield, this place I've never heard of where DL Moody started a campus. Like this is going to happen. And so a few months later, David, or a few weeks later, David and I meet um, in on the Moody campus in Northfield. Um, I actually got my car stuck and David helped me get it out because uh, it was really snowy and sort of a prophetic picture of our uh, <laughs> our relationship at the time, him just helping me get back on track um, in terms of this. And so we were making arrangements. We started casting vision to people. Hey, come, we're gonna have 120 people just praying for 10 days continually. Um, God's led us to this amazing place. It's this historic campus where uh, the student volunteer mission movement started and where D.L. Moody is buried, uh, you know, come on out and join us. And people started responding. We, our third person was this woman from Louisiana who somehow heard about what we were doing. And she's like, God's saying, I need to come out. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And um, even people from the West Coast, we had people like hearing about this. We knew not how. And just saying, yeah, we're coming, we're coming, we're coming. Um, and so I was getting excited. I'm like, wow, this is really working. Um, and uh, this is starting to happen. So um, as we were moving forward towards this, um, the owners at the time of the Northfield campus sent me an email one morning and they basically said, hey, this is canceled. We're not going to do this. We don't want you guys to come here. Um, we just don't trust you. I was going to ask you, like, were you guys planning on doing this outside or had you already got permission to use the campus from its owners who owned it at that point? Like, how did that work? Like, because McCain was outside by the grave, wasn't he? 
Right, right. So a little bit um, of background. The campus was actually for sale. It had been for sale for two years. It was a massive campus. And um, the current owners, um, you know, they weren't really needing to rent it or anything. Um, they were just trying to sell it. Um, and so, yeah, we were in conversation to have an indoor gathering um, and to rent one of the buildings for 10 days. Um, and uh, this conversation had been ongoing. We'd been out, we'd talked to them. And, um, you know, I don't remember exactly what happened, but something happened where they uh, just, you know, felt like, hey, I don't think we can trust these guys. And they sent this email um, kind of like, hey, it's off. And uh, I was so upset. You know, I was just so devastated. Um, and I was like, Lord, this can't be happening because I know you want this to happen there. I know that I know that I know yeah. this is where you want this to happen. You and Northfield have quite a history. We have a history. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I remember getting the email. I was at the seminary and I was so upset that I literally fell asleep. It just made me fall asleep. And um, that's what happens when you get upset. It puts you to sleep. Yeah. yeah if you see me uh, passed out somewhere, you know what happened. I, it's like one of those uh, fainting goats or something. <laughs> Um, no, that's not my normal reaction, but that's just what happened this one time. And, um, when I woke up, I woke up and I just sensed the presence of God all around me. I was like, wow, presence of God is here. And that's not how I normally wake up either. It's not how I normally fall asleep, not how I normally wake up. And, um, I wrote this very humble reply back to them and, um, just apologizing for any misunderstandings, um, and I got a response back, hey, we, we understand better who you are and where you're coming from now. And um, we do want you to come. We do want you to do this. I was like, yes, awesome. And shortly oh. after that, they sent us a letter. They're like, one of our staff people wants you to see this. And you already alluded to it earlier. Um, this letter was written by D.L. Moody in 1880. And it was an invitation to do 10 days of prayer at Northfield based on Acts chapter one, um, just the same thing that we were coming to do. And so as it turns out, this was actually their first conference that they ever did there in the summer. And it's when, at the end of this gathering is when they dedicated the campus to God. So this was literally the inaugural event of this campus was a 10 days of prayer um, the campus had gone wow. through its life cycle. It had closed in 2005. It was for sale. And unbeknownst to us, unbeknownst to anyone, God had brought us back to do exactly what they did when they started the campus. Um, so I said to David, I said, I don't know what's going on, but we're on to something here. Like, this is God. This is God. That's amazing. And the 10 days that were the inaugural 10 days, did they happen to be the 10 days of offer the deal Moody letter and all that or no? You, you know, I have gone back and checked it and no, they were just 10 days that they chose um, kind of randomly. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. 10 days in the summer. But in spite, you know, yeah, it was in kind of towards the uh, end of summer. Um, right. So, so that was amazing. Um, and we were still a few weeks out. Um, we didn't have 120 people signed up. 
<laughs> um, Not even with forward. all of your new buddies from the New England Alliance? Yeah, you know, it's, it is shockingly hard to get someone to take 10 days to pray. That's all I'm going to say. I've been trying to do it for a long time. It's, it's very difficult. And this invitation to just like clear your schedule is, is so challenging. Um, but we did see like a core group of 15 to 20 who said yes. And so we met out there in Northfield. Um, it was incredible. And then we had a lot of other people that were coming and going. Um, we had a very diverse group, uh, both denominationally, ethnically, age-wise. I mean, at all levels, it was a diverse group. And, um, you know, I, I may have mentioned this earlier. I'm not from like a charismatic or Pentecostal background. I'm kind of more of like a vanilla evangelical with a little side of liturgy in my church background. And, um, and so the first night uh, we were there, all these weird things were happening. And I was, uh, let's just say I was confused. <laughs> so, um, even though you, you know, had heard had the leave. story for G, you were confused when they started happening to you. I, I was confused. And so let me just paint the picture. So I step out of the room, like we've got a baby. So I'm like, you know, trying to make sure Cassie and the baby are good. And he was crying. I stepped out of the room. I come back in. This is our first night of 10 days. And, um, you know, it's utter chaos in this room. And, um, you know, I see, I walk in and I see, you know, just like a, a, there's a, a black woman I don't know, like wearing a bandana and she's just rolling on the floor. And I'm like, oh, I've read about this. This is the Holy Rollers. The holy like, this roller. is like, <laughs> I'm like, this is happening to me right now. And then I walk into the room and I look to my right and there's a, a redheaded woman and she's like laughing like a banshee, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, I've heard about this. This is the holy laughter. And um, I'm like, everyone I think can probably tell I'm uncomfortable and um, I'm supposedly in charge. Um, my mentor, Jeff, is the one who's like, pouring oil on people and causing all this mischief. So I'm like, well, Jeff is not going to be any help. Um, I'm like, where's David? Maybe David can help me like get this, get this crazy crew under control. So David is slain in the spirit. He's just on the ground, uh, you know, and I'm thinking, Oh, that's slain in the spirit. I've heard of it. <laughs> so every, you know, so I was just like, wow, no one is going to be able to help me with this situation. And I just decided to just let it go. And, um, you know, that you night I kind of had a talk with, <laughs> I let myself go. Yeah. That night I was just like talking about it with the Lord. And uh, I just said, you know, Lord, your people are weird, but I like them. Like I, I, and, um, <laughs> I like, them. like, I love your people, <laughs> but this is weird. You know, these things are like, way outside of my comfort zone. Um, and um, so that was the start of, of 10 days. Um, and so in the next days, what began to happen was unlike anything I had ever experienced before. Um, I've shared earlier about John 17 and how that was part of my calling. But what happened over the next days is we started to experience 
what it feels like to live when John 17 is being fulfilled. So this ragtag group of people, we just started experiencing the unity of the spirit, unlike anything I'd ever experienced in my life. It was love for each other, uh, but it was like something in the atmosphere um, where, where it was just like this atmosphere of love for one another. And everybody was, everybody was talking about it. There was no teaching. There was no like, Hey, we got to love each other. It was just, what is going on? Like we are honoring each other above ourselves. We're loving each other as Jesus loved us. And just the unity in the room and the weight of the Holy Spirit's presence was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. I was just completely in awe, completely in awe of what was happening. And I was like, wow, this is what I saw in the vision. Like it's starting to happen. It's, it's a group of people that stopped everything and we're experiencing John 17, just like I had prayed about. I'm like, wow, this is actually happening. Um, and, uh, and I was also thinking about those transformation videos and, and George Otis. And I was like, wow, that's what we're experiencing in a measure right here, right now, just by the simple act of stopping doing what we would normally do and praying. That's it. That's all we're doing. And God is like dwelling in our midst in this incredible way. We love each other. My what, you know, it's kind of like, what is going on, God? It was incredible. That's amazing, and um, that was that in the Hibbard Hall. Where which building were you guys using on campus? Yeah, we were in we were in Hibbard Hall. We were in Hibbard Hall. Yeah, cool. And was this now the fifteen or twenty of you who were, had others had joined? You mentioned that were coming in and out. Like, how many people were there when all this was going down? Yeah, so we had about kind of like 15, 20 in our core, and then people would come out during the day um, or during the evening to be a part of this and just join in. And um, so we started to see some incredible things happen. Uh, I'll just share a couple. Um, you know, one woman who had always wanted to pray for 10 days. She'd always wanted to do the upper room thing, but um, she was too busy and uh, didn't fit into life. So you know, um, she got pancreatic cancer. The doctors had given her just a few months to live. And so she figured, well, I had to quit my job. I might as well go do this prayer thing I've always wanted to do. So she came in um, with pancreatic cancer. I don't even know if we prayed for her, um, but she left 100% healed. Went back to her docs, Wow, nothing. Um, she's continued cancer-free, you know, to this day. So you know, all these amazing things were happening. Amazing things were happening in prayer. It felt like every day um, we were experiencing things I'd never experienced, um, like travailing prayer, uh, where people would just kind of get this really intensive burden from the Lord, almost like a childbirth, and just go into prayer. Um, yeah. I was experiencing all these new things, like the laughter thing. Um, right. You know, if you've hung out with <laughs> if you've hung out with me, you probably know. Um, that's part of my, uh, spiritual repertoire or just what God does with me, but it started then. And, um, part of the reason I knew it was from God is it, it, it was just so clean. And, uh, cause I had, you know, I was just questioning that, like, is this the Lord or not? I didn't know. Um, but also just the way, like, as we were praying, we would all start at the same time, 
like, like God was just playing us like an orchestra. Um, it was, you know, I was like, wow, like, like five of us just went off, not like triggered by each other, but just simultaneously. I was like, wow, this is like, this is incredible. Like we are living in this unbelievable reality of the weight and presence of God. Um, it was like heaven. It was like a heaven on earth type of experience. Yeah. So uh, before you had experienced the holy laughter, were you a pretty dour individual? <laughs> I wouldn't say I was dour, um, but um, let me just say the joy dimension was definitely needed. And I think is very, I think it's very important. Um, you know, afterwards I went and I read or I scoured a systematic theology book and I realized in the whole systematic theology there is not a single word about joy. <laughs> That's a classic. <laughs> and I just thought to myself, how can you have a systematic theology that doesn't take into account like God's joy? I mean, it's a, it's a important aspect of his character. Um, and so, so for people I think who a lot don't of, know what holy laughter is, could you just explain the emotions and the feeling that overcame you when this went down? Like, what does it feel to you? Sure. Yeah. It's just like a bubbling up of laughter that comes from the Holy spirit. Just like you would laugh normally. It's something that strikes you as funny, but this is like joy. It's, it's like a joy from the Holy spirit on the inside that, that then comes out as, as laughter. Um, I'd compare it to tears. You know, it's like when you're weeping before the Lord, in prayer, you know, where's that coming from? Well, it's a deep sorrow. This is just the same thing. It's, it's just a different manifestation of it. Um, I also realized too, people would say a lot of times this was emotionalism and I think emotionalism can be a thing, but I was just realizing this is not like, this isn't my emotions at all. This is, this is like a connection to the Holy spirit that is dynamic and vibrant. It's like might in my inner man and, you know, it's not like, oh, I'm being swayed in my emotions, which feels very surface level and shallow. Um, this was coming from deep within. Um, and uh, yeah, just had such good fruit um, in my life in terms of, you know, and that, and <laughs> longing joy, for righteousness and things like that. The joy you're feeling is, is tangible, right? I mean, it's like a, um, a, a very wonderful feeling, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, it's like so yeah, that, anyway, there, there's so also like amazing, like, you know, everything's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So it, it's super important for us to experience the joy in order to, um, be, have persevering strength. Um, and I, I think, um, so there's so much else to happen. I'll just wrap up with this. So one of our number was a banker and this banker, um, <laughs> he not was me. keeping track, not you, not you. He was keeping track of everyone who came in. And I thought only a banker would keep track of everyone who comes in. Cause I would never, I don't care. Being I, I, counting the people. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I'm keeping track because I think that God is going to answer your prayer or God is, I want to know how many people come. So he tracked everyone and there were exactly 122 people who joined in the 10 days. Um, 
And so it was so just an incredible. Days, 122 people. Right. God had said, call 120. We saw 120 come. And then at the end of it, we went to the event, um, the Global Day of Prayer event, um, and finished up our 10 days of prayer there. So it's just this incredible season of like and Price and Waterhouse Coopers certified your numbers, right? What's that? Price Waterhouse Coopers certified those numbers, right? <laughs> yeah, we had the um, you know the evangelical uh, financial committee or whatever certify that we were uh, legitimate. Um, yeah, if we were exaggerating, why wouldn't we exaggerate like to like twelve thousand or something? But. <laughs> yeah, usually be like we went to Washington and there were ten million people there. I mean, ninety thousand. <laughs> exactly. I I'd rather I'd rather just see something happen and know it's God, you know, than have like a big number. It's like big numbers are awesome, obviously, but it's inc- I mean, like to to hear that in the secret place and then see it happen. That's for me. That's where my money's at all day long. I want more people to be impacted, but it's just so incredible to, to, to hear from the Lord, be obedient, and then see something amazing happen like that.